Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. And today, um, we have a special guest with us. Um, Today, uh, Pastor Adrian Mills is sitting in the studio with us, and he's going to share about the adoption journey that he and Lauren have been on um, over the past few years. But before we get started, um, you've been here on staff for quite a few years, um, but just took the lead pastor position about a year and a half ago. So before we get into your story, how's that going? What's it like to be a lead pastor at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene? <laughs> so yeah, I was on staff for uh, 10 years before that. And there's beauty in that and knowing the church and mm. knowing the leadership and having some opportunities to lead. But I say, um, sometimes it's easier to have ideas when you're not the one in charge that has <laughs> to see it all happen. So I joke that God did not give me stone tablets on which mm. he told me clearly, do this and this and this. So, mm-hmm. um, But he's been really faithful. And so it's been, I've needed a lot of grace. And man, I've got really great people that... Mm. Um, like you too, but among others that do a lot of really good things around here to make mission happen. But it's been exciting. Um, I've never prayed more than I pray now. I've never needed God more than I need him now. But um, it's been cool to just be used in a way that I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know that I ever thought like years ago um, that God could use me in this role. But I said yes, and he's been faithful. So it's been sweet. It's very obvious to um, our church, to the congregation, to our staff, that um, God has His anointing on you, and uh, just amazing to watch your leadership and just continue what was started here back twenty some years right. ago. Yeah. And God is yeah. still being faithful. And yeah. I loved recently I heard uh, Pastor Roger say, um, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." And I feel like God has given you vision, mm-hmm. and so it's really fun um, and exciting to be a part. Of the journey. Yeah, thanks. I'm along for the ride, too. It's good. good. (laughs) It is good. Well, Pastor Adrian, thank you, first of all, for being willing to say yes when God called you to be the lead pastor. Even maybe you said um, early on in your ministry, maybe you didn't see yourself in that role, but that God has certainly given you the vision and the ability to do that. So thank you for your willingness to say yes. And I think that'll be a common theme throughout this um, broadcast today as you share your and your wife Lauren's adoption journey. Right. Yeah. So uh, starting out, just tell us when God first placed that desire in you and Lauren's hearts to adopt. Right. Um, there's a lot of reasons that people adopt, and they're all really good reasons. Um, for us, we were sitting in a college uh, class. It was a living issues class. We went to Eastern Nazarene College. Um, which is a great, great uh, private liberal arts Nazarene college outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And we were actually in this class together on just kind of um, issues facing people today and in our world. And it was clear through that process and that class that God really was opening up our hearts to this idea of adoption. And we were dating at that time. We weren't even engaged, I don't think. Um, but he really was kind of something he spoke to us individually about. And we felt like we didn't know if we'd be able to have our own kids. We didn't know what it would look like. We didn't know when in our lives, but we, I, I would say from that moment, it was something that, it was more than just kind of an idea in the back of my mind. It was something that we really felt like we were we were saying yes to, and we're going to kind of trust God to fill in the details of how that would look. So you ended up getting engaged, getting married, yeah. and here you are. Spoiler alert, I married her. <laughs> yeah. And 
So tell us a little bit about your family, your children, yeah. um, a birth origin. Yeah, okay. yeah, our bio kids. Yes. So, yeah, we got pregnant very quickly with our daughter, Reese, which was at the time a, a little bit of a surprise, but like such a blessing. And then our son, Camden, uh, Reese is now 13. Oof. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying ooh, because 13 is bad. I'm just saying that makes me feel old. But And Camden is 11. Mm-hmm. And so when they were pretty, pretty young still, we still kind of had in our mind like, okay, well, clearly we could have some of our own kids, but we still felt like we were called to adopt. And so we were kind of talking and praying. And then in that process, here comes Jackson, who's our third (laughs) one. And so um, we wrestled a little bit in that season of rejoicing over new life. But then what does this mean for our call? Mm -hmm. And probably me, especially thinking like, wow. We already have three kids. Like, that's a lot. But as I prayed, and I don't know that Lauren and I were, uh, well, she she would kind of be ready to maybe step out in faith, and I was scared. And But ultimately, through that process of just raising those guys, and Jackson was still pretty young uh, when we finally said yes. And so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of that backstory. Okay. If Lauren were here, she would probably disagree a little bit. But my I, I always felt like Lauren was kind of ready and waiting for God to kind of kick me in the butt and get me to mm-hmm. say I mean, it was just... God uses her faith a lot of times to teach me and challenge me. And so in this, yeah, I was scared because I had three kids already. And, you know, financially, how are we going to adopt? How are we going to provide for all, you know, those, those things that like to God are just not big deals. But I've told this story before, but it was a Sunday morning and I was preaching to a room full of teenagers at our, our winter retreat um, that we hosted here. And busy weekend, I was exhausted, hadn't slept much all weekend. And I was getting up to preach kind of the final message of our theme. And our theme that weekend was now. And it was really kind of calling students to obey God and, and to mm-hmm. not not wait. Not and The whole weekend, I'm not thinking anything about me. I'm not thinking about my story and my journey. And that particular morning, Lauren couldn't be there. We had a sick, one of the kids was sick. And so it wasn't like I was preaching and felt my wife's eyes like staring at me. You know, It really <laughs> was just like, as I'm preaching, I felt the Holy Spirit just come over me and, in a mm-hmm. way that, especially as I've preached before, there's very few times I've experienced it in that way. And I I felt like in that moment, this is the only way I know how to describe it. In that moment, as I'm preaching and I'm inviting kids to be obedient and kind of like the Holy Spirit's interrupting me while I'm preaching, which I'm kind of like, (laughs) shh, be quiet. But the way I described it is when I got done preaching that day, I knew if I didn't step forward in obedience to adopt, I was actually being disobedient to God. And I don't know if you've ever been there in your life, but there is a difference between okay, uh, you know, God might be doing this, I don't, and you know what he's saying. Right. And you know in that moment, if you say no or if you push him off, you're, you're in sin. You're, that's mm-hmm. the only way I to describe it. And so I came home that day, and it was, a, it was a pretty emotional conversation, but we began the journey that day to officially mm. pursue wow. adoption yeah. uh, in our journey. Wow. So, Yeah, that's when you know that you know that you know. Right. That you have heard from God. Um, there is, in that Step of faith might be hard to take, but man, the obedience and the blessing of just stepping into that and trusting him for the next thing right. um, is powerful. Yeah. So you all took that step. Yeah, we what did. What happened next? Yeah. So, um, you know, shocking that um, sometimes when we step out in obedience, it's not always easy. Right. And I don't think I came into the process believing that. So we began to kind of step forward in faith and look at different options and domestic adoption, international adoption. There's beauty and heartache and all of it and um, just really praying what was God calling us to and so we sensed his calling um, toward international adoption and so we began pursuing 
adoption from the Democratic Republic of Congo, which at the time, and if those listening know anything about international adoption, it's um, it's constantly changing. Policies are constantly changing. A program that's open now in six months may not be open. So at the time, it was like a 12-month thing where we kind of knew we're going to start the process and we're going to need to fundraise a lot and we're going to have to – it's uh, a lot of paperwork and a lot of home studies and 12 months from now, Lord willing, like mm-hmm. we're going to bring home our, our son or daughter. And um, pretty soon into that process, it was clear, like this is not going to be a quick thing. And through um, months and months of trusting and, and the church kind of really supporting us and friends really supporting us, Lauren had the opportunity to, to go two different times, uh, one of which, um, because it was clear that the process was going to take so long, we had been matched with a little girl that, you know, it's our daughter, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful thing, but then the heartache of, of waiting and knowing this, this little one's growing up in an orphanage, and so Lauren actually, um, because we knew this is going to be a longer process, she and another friend uh, went to this orphanage where we were adopting um, our, our kids from to just stay for a week, to just be with her and really meet her for the first time. And that was a really, it, it was hard. We couldn't really both go because our kids were still young enough. We didn't feel like we could leave um, them, but wanted her to go. And so she got to go and meet her daughter and spend a week with her, which was beautiful, but then kind of um, gut-wrenching to leave her there. And why that was really significant is because while they were there, they began to kind of notice and observe some things that weren't weren't really lining up. Um, the kids were kind of were hungry. It seemed like some of the things that we were being told that would happen weren't happening. And so I'm trying to fast forward through a lot of details, but basically we're about two years into the process now and we're trying to do everything we can to get our kids moved to a different orphanage, to get them moved to the capital so that we can make it easier. And everything that we're trying is failing. And, uh, one day I'll tell the story without getting emotional. I remember it was Christmas Eve, which is just a weird memory and we um it got so desperate that one of the families uh, her husband went to live there just to make sure that the kids were eating and taken care of and we kind of had a last ditch effort to try to get them moved and we felt like if we could get them moved then we could get them home Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um christmas eve was kind of when everything came to a head and it was just clear like this this, is not happening Mm -hmm. and just remembering the heaviness in our hearts and Really, at that point, it became clear to us that I'm not sure this is happening. And it wasn't really a lack of faith thing. It was like circumstances and everything happening in that country and everything that we had done at that point to try to pursue bringing our daughter home. And uh, over the next 30 days, again, through some of the things that we had tried to do, we discovered that um, she had a mom that wanted her, Mm. that she Mm. wasn't an orphan, Mm. And that her mom had tried several times to come to the uh, orphanage to get her and was told that she couldn't have her. So we were so grieved um, that the little girl that we believed was our daughter, her picture was up in our home, our kids prayed for her every night. Mm-hmm. We grieved in what was our loss, but then we kind of saw in it God's hand that maybe he had used us to help reunite her with mm-hmm. her mom. Yeah. And all the kids, or I think there were 12 in the orphanage that were reunited with their families. And so, yeah, we came out of that just a little bit lost, a little bit like um, we felt some closure because she was home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, what, what does this mean mm-hmm. for us? And this had been about two, two and a half years now yeah. of a process. And um, yeah, so grief, um, heartache, but then still 
still sensing that, and this is the only way I can describe it, I felt like someone was missing from our home. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. when you have three kids, that's a miracle mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. loud and there's like so immediately we begin to pray again about adoption and yeah. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So just fast forward a little bit more, we began the process of domestic adoption, feeling like, well, we still feel like we have a place and went through a specific agency where they really try to match families with kids that because of race, because of um, some potential drug exposure or things that there aren't a lot of families that, and, and I get it. A lot of people want to adopt a healthy baby, mm-hmm. especially if they can't have children of their own. I totally understand that, but we just felt our hearts kind of moved in this direction. And so again, we were kind of told, Hey, this could happen really fast. You guys have home study. You're ready. And month after month after month went by and, and it wasn't <laughs> moving mm-hmm. fast. And so about a year after this process began, um, we were matched with a, a little girl that was going to be born and um, made plans that summer that we were going to fly out for the birth and bring home our, our baby. Mm. And after what had now been three plus years of a lot of questioning and praying and beautiful support from others, but then just the grief of this journey and um, believe that this was you know the fulfillment of what yeah. God had called yeah. us to. And experienced so many miracles along the way of God providing and opening up doors. And the time came for us to prepare to go and travel. And we had people watching our kids and we're getting packed. And just a couple days from travel, we get a call that um, the baby was born prematurely and passed away. Mm. Um, Sorry. Yeah. So um, I think what always makes me emotional in that is um, it's not always... I mean, my emotions are still real, but I think about uh, Lauren, I think about our kids, and um, just walking through, uh, I mean, every, (laughs) you guys know, and and those of you listening that have experienced grief before, you you just, time goes by, and it it doesn't always get easier, and even if you experience God's goodness, and you see his faithfulness, those are, those are wounds that are real, Mm -hmm. and man, we grieve for the birth mom, we grieve for um, others that were impacted, but in that moment, it just felt crushing. It just yeah. felt like twice we felt like we had stepped out in faith. We didn't feel like we were living in sin. We didn't feel like we had disobeyed yeah. God in any way, and we were really left in this place of just feeling broken before the yeah. Lord. And yeah. you know, what is this about? What, what was your, you know, yeah. uh, we asked often, um, did you entrust us with this because someone else couldn't be entrusted with it. I mean, just the questions that you ask in your, in your grief. Were there any times in that that you questioned if you heard God or not? Yeah, all the time. And that's why I think I, I get a, a little bit emotional talking about that moment for me um, when I heard the Lord speak and cost to adopt because mm-hmm. it was so real and it was not an emotional thing and it was right. not a drummed up response. It was so clear. I couldn't tell you three more times in my life I've heard the voice of the Lord that mm-hmm. clearly. And so I, I had to keep going back to that. But there's confusion in that because yeah. I heard you call and, and you know, so yeah, did, did we do something wrong? Did we miss you? Did we, um, because in that moment, yeah, you're just feeling like, God, where are you at in this? Yeah. So I can only imagine, well, I really can't imagine what it was like to engage that thought process and begin to step out. So was there a period of time that you grieved and how long, what did that look like? Yeah, one of the blessings of that upcoming year, well, a few things happened. Um, part of the healing for us was needing to kind of start living our lives again, which sounds weird, but when you'd committed three to four years to this process and you're raising little kids, and I dealt with a lot of guilt feeling like, 
I was so absorbed in, in that that I had missed things. And looking back, I don't. Th- I think some of that's false guilt. I don't think I really was, but I just felt this immediate desire to want to be present now and not miss moments with my kids. And so we we sold our house. And even in that, we're like, are we just running away? Are we? And, but we felt like we needed a new start as yeah. a family. And so, I mean, we had a bedroom in our house for you know we had a crib. We had you know these things that so. Um, we just felt like it was time for a new chapter for us. And Jackson, our youngest, was getting ready to start kindergarten. So some of that timing. And so we, we sold our house and we moved. And, and our kids are going to be starting a new school. And got the opportunity that next summer to go on sabbatical. And the timing of that was just really good for us as a family. And just felt like it was time for us to get away for six weeks, to unplug, to just be present, and to really heal and kind of ask the question, God, what's next? And... The funny thing is, I, I did not, I did not have the courage at the time to say it, but I think it was like the second or third day on our sabbatical. There's a couple distinct like messages I listened to, church service we attended that wasn't here, but heard a message. And looking back, God was already clearly inviting me, asking me. I felt like to not give up on this call. I would not have the courage at the time, nor would it probably have been healthy to say, no, no. But in the healing, I, it felt like it was kind of his assurance that I'm still here. There's still a plan. And I didn't come out of that sabbatical season saying, let's go, you know. But in the healing, maybe just his assurance that he sees us where we're at and that that wasn't all, you know, for naught and that he had something else for us. And so um, that season was really important for us to kind of come and start kind of a new chapter for our family. Mm-hmm. Pastor Adrian, as you were talking, you know, about the struggle and the pain and really needing a new start. Uh, well, we know that you have an adopted daughter. So what kind of yeah. got you back? You mentioned that you right. felt like you needed to live life in the present, not that you had said that this wasn't going to happen, but basically, Lord, you're going to have to make it happen if it's going to happen. Like, we're going to live our life and be obedient and, you know, all the pain of the past. So how did you end up, I know there was a break between the first two adoptions and then the eventual adoption of your daughter. So what got you back into the adoption process the final time? I definitely, there was a place of surrender where, And I remember long conversations on the couch at night with Lauren where we would, you know, we would talk about it some, then we would have to not talk about it for a while because it was just, but I remember one specific conversation where I just kind of, I said to Lauren, I really felt like the Lord was saying to me, God, you know that we're willing, you know, there's a space in our home for someone else. I don't know what else you want me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe that's the best place to be because sometimes I think we try to pursue God's will and run after him. But um, there is something beautiful about having to wait and rest and trust. And so, yeah, it just almost a little bit helpless, but then looking back, maybe freeing to just say, God, we've done everything we know to do. And we believe you called us to this. We're willing. But, and so literally at that point, I thought maybe that would never happen. Uh, Maybe a child would show up at our door one day. I mean, it was just that wide open. I had no idea. And Fast forward um, kind of into this season where, again, I don't think it was, I mean, there was so much grieving that we still had to do in processing. And I don't think, at least in my heart, it was never like, that's not going to happen. But we just really felt like we don't know how it would happen. And um, so one of the really cool things that happened through our first adoption, our international adoption, is one of the moms who's a, a doctor here in the States 
through the process of that um, orphanage, kind of the uh, corruption that was happening there, she sought to plant a, a nonprofit there in that community mm-hmm. to help care for orphans and widows in that community. And some really cool, sustainable orphan care stuff happening there. It's called Restore Elakia. Great um, ministry. Even last night, Lauren and I were just talking about some of the incredible things that God's done there. So we had just kind of figured maybe that's maybe that's what the whole purpose of this was. Mm-hmm. That Restore Elakia began, and it's making such an impact in the middle there of Democratic Republic of Congo. And maybe that's our thing. And through that process, and again, I had kind of resigned like, uh, but um, our friend... Basically, there was a, a little girl that came into care, and we knew she would need a, a home, that there was some care available to her kind of for a short season. And um, it began with just kind of little steps of faith, and immediately I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of like, you know, I, I would have at some point said, I would never consider doing this again after all that we had been through. But I was sitting in a meeting with one of our pastors here. It, again, it was one of those places where I know where I was when the Lord spoke to me. And we were talking about something totally unrelated and it was almost like I was lost in thought for a minute, and I felt like I felt like the Lord interrupted me. And in that moment, uh, again, at this point, we weren't even saying, yes, we're going to adopt. We were just saying, yes, we'll take some steps. Yes, we'll explore. Yes, we'll... And I was so afraid. I felt like the Lord said to me personally, he said, Adrian, you've it was, you know been a lot of heartache, but look at your life and look at what I've blessed you with. And that moment, you know, thinking about my three kids and the ministry that God had entrusted me to here that I was getting to be a part of and all the blessings in our life, in spite of the hard things, you know, in spite of all the things that I wouldn't want to relive again, I felt like God said, see, even even with that, look at the blessings. And um, in that moment, I felt like he was asking me to trust him. And so there was probably about six or seven pretty impossible things that would have to happen at this point. So when I tell you that I didn't think it was going to happen, it wasn't really a lack of faith. It was just kind of that idea of being present in the present. And it was it was like, I mean, we didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell my parents. We didn't tell our kids. We had a few people that were kind of praying. But we really kind of began with this kind of hands open thing. Like, God, well, this is your miracle and you're going to have to do it. And so in my heart, uh, I believed he could. But especially early on, I didn't think we're going to adopt. I just felt like we're being obedient one step at a time. And if God's going to do it, then he's going to do it. And so kind of fast forward over another year and a half plus, kind of slowly, surely, like one by one, things that like we, you know, to find an agency that would work with us should have been impossible because Congo at that time was a mess and God opened that door and other things just one by one by one, God just began opening doors. And so finally it got to the point where we're like, I think this might happen. And so um, we finally told our kids, like, <laughs> I think we told them like two months before uh, our daughter came home and my parents, I think like the week before. I mean, it was just one of those things where we held so tightly to it because we had just seen it you know, really be so hard on our kids. And as much as we loved the support of the community, also the burden of kind of constantly having to talk about it to others. So we just held it. You know, it's kind of like when it says Mary pondered these things, treasured them in her heart. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that meant, but I think she was doing some of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of held tightly and we prayed a lot and trusted. And, um, you know, it's still surreal. On uh, July 1st, 2018, I became the lead pastor of this church. And on July 24th, 2018, my daughter came home from Congo. Wow. So that was a whole lot of transition happening mm-hmm. at once. But it, I mean, literally, we're a year and a half later, and we're still kind of catching our breath. And part of it is just God's goodness, God's faithfulness. Like last night, we were looking at some pictures like, man, that really happened, you know, because 
when you've walked through hard days and you've seen disappointment, you know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta pause and say, wow, God did it. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have a, a beautiful, she just turned three this past week and Glory is such a blessing to our home and she's, she's a mess, man. She's a toddler. So now we've got uh, a 13, 11, a nine-year-old and a, a three-year-old and um, just seeing God kind of bring her into our family and feeling like pretty early on, we really believe that God made her for our family. It's really weird to think, but we joke, she would be a terrible only child because she loves wrestling with the kids and she gets bored when they get on the bus, you know. Um, just seeing that, we really feel like in his providence, you know, God made her for us yeah. and, and us for her. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of people listening today. They might not understand that pain of an adoption journey, but we all have those places that we have to trust God. And it inspires me today to listen to your story and just, I watched you all um, go through that grief. And I remember the day that the pictures, we were watching on Instagram, waiting to see that picture in an airport um, when you all got to meet her. And um, the Lord was faithful um, in all of that, like uh, Glory's home. Yeah, And there is a journey when we're obedient that we don't always understand. But I, I was thinking before you said it, just how you all have been able to impact that village mm-hmm. and make it better, providing jobs for women that could do honorable things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if those listening know about that. It's just really amazing the things that they make with yeah. their hands and are able to sustain life. Uh, for their family. Yeah, we would be the first ones to say that adoption is one right answer, but it's not the only one. And the orphan crisis happening around the world um, is real. And in fact, probably throughout our journey, there was a few times we felt like, well, maybe this isn't God's call for us and maybe we're supposed to. But um, it is a beautiful way that God has kind of redeemed some of that brokenness in our life and allowed us. And and Nicole, our friend, has, and, and her husband, Will, they've done so much good work and uh, it's just been cool to see what God's done there. And um, yeah, when people ask us about uh, adoption, that's what we would say. We would say it's, and that's probably changed. There's probably a point where you know, say everyone should adopt. And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the answer for everyone. And it's certainly not the answer to help solve, you know, millions and millions of, of orphans mm-hmm. around the world. But we can each do something. Right. And so I think even now in our lives. We don't check that box and say, well, we, you know, it's still something we feel like we're called to as a family mm-hmm. and um, as a church, right? And so right. what can our response be? Um, so what would you say specifically for someone that is maybe has felt a tug in that direction? What would you say to them today, those listening? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, you, you trust God, obviously, that specifically with a call to adopt, I think God will make it clear if he... And look, I believe in foster care. I believe there's kids in our own community mm-hmm. that needs homes. I believe there are children born right now in the United States because of color of their skin, background. There aren't people on it. So there's needs everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I would say pray and ask the Lord to give you a heart for his heart, for your community, for mm-hmm. the world, for wherever it is. But what I would say to everyone is I think that we can all be a part of doing something. And so yeah. Restore Alakia is one. There's other organizations. Kiris Global is one here in our community mm-hmm. that's doing great work in South Africa and other places. It's sustainable kind of orphan care. That It's beautiful. And so there are new models and new ways that we're learning a lot and we're realizing there's beauty in adoption, but there's heartache in that too. Mm-hmm. 
there's brokenness in that. That yes. you know, my, my daughter is growing up away from her community, and now we have a burden and a responsibility to help her know and experience that in some ways. But there's a lot of beauty being done where kids are being able to be raised and supported, and mothers and grandmothers and communities are being supported mm-hmm. so that families can stay together. Yeah. And, and so there are, I'm grateful, many right ways that we can be a part, and I think everyone can do their part. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. Well, Pastor Adrian, thank you for being willing to share um, your and Lauren's adoption story with us today, and I've gotten hope from it, and I believe Pastor Margaret's gotten hope sure. from it, and those that have listened today, I believe, have gotten hope from it, so thank you, and just a great testimony of obedience, just doing the next thing, not getting overwhelmed by the big picture, but just doing the next thing. So in closing, just anything else that you would like to share with us that you haven't mentioned already? No, I mean, I I would just encourage you that we all obey God in one one thing at a time that's in front of us. And so I I would just encourage you, if you're listening today, the grief that you've experienced is different than the grief I have. And we don't compare those things. There's not no such thing as harder, worse, more difficult. But you may be listening today and you're walking through a hard road. You might feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I would just encourage you to trust and believe. And if I were to go back and talk to myself in the midst of that, I would say God's still good. Mm. He's still trustworthy mm-hmm. and he'll prove faithful. And uh, in some ways, uh, I'm able to testify to that more today than ever because of some of the hard things. So for those that are listening, experiencing hard things, believe that God can be trusted and keep keep obeying Him. Keep trusting Him. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray that Pastor Adrian Mills sharing his and his wife Lauren's adoption journey has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.